0: Coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Hey, listen, we got a guest today from, I want to say, Central Europe who lives in America. Uh, Adrian. Adrian's a good friend of mine.
1: Yeah, well, he's right. Adrian's right. The uh, infrastructure in Russia is not very robust, to say the least.
2: Like When you go to Eastern Europe, you, you enter the 1990s on
0: a large level, infrastructurally.
2: Why technology?
0: Explain to but, our audience why technology is the key. They,
1: they think AI is uh, self-driving cars.
0: And we're creating dreams inside that dream. Like we're no longer
2: dreaming, right? And if you're dreaming inside a dream, we've been infected.
1: You think we'll ever find common ground with AI?
0: There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues
1: that we come against.
0: There's black, and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand them. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you saying thank you for all your grace and mercy. Thank you for helping working everything out in my life as relates to my mother, as relates to my brother, as relates to my family. We just want to say thank you for just blessing us and just Everything that we're dealing with in these United States of America, and also the people in Ukraine, God, everything that they're dealing with. God, we had another leader who got assassinated the other day in Japan. God, we just ask you to continue to touch the hearts of the kings and the rulers and the people, God. God, let them know that you have their heart in your hand. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, uh, for the rain you provided to us and nourish the plants and nourish our souls, quite frankly. Thank you for this time with Odell and Adrian. We ask for blessings on this podcast as we go forward. Lord, just thank you for safe travels over the last three or four weeks with our families as we go back and forth. And, uh, and now we get a chance to stay home and catch up on all those things that we've left go. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Amen.
2: Father, I just wanted to thank you for all the opportunities that have have been brought to the world and things getting better since COVID. And I really hope that they continue to do so, as well as the many people around the world that are still suffering and being greatly impacted, especially our youth. I am thankful for all the opportunities we've had to provide any blessings and support that we could over the past few years to alleviate any kind of suffering there was through so many, like in so many communities in our father's name, I pray. Amen. Well, Bill, how you been doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been uh, working on my 2023 budget for impact and trying to figure out all that. So kind of deep into details, uh, for it. I'm doing a forecasting by month. So it's, uh, pretty intense i think i got it done and uh got a few more things to do and uh got a busy week i'm going to be around all week which is nice i teach uh friday uh from 2 p.m till 10 p.m systematic troubleshooting
0: ah systematic troubleshooting listen you sent me on a wild goose chase the other day and i think i finally found the goose so i just want to let you know the last time we were on use use the term and I didn't know what it was so I went uh, hunting this term and it's the NASCAR term for uh the president of the United States and I'm like okay what did Bill mean by that and it says I think it's Go Brandon
1: yeah that's it
0: and I'm like okay what in the world is Go Brandon and so I looked it up Bill I looked it up, you know, I fell in third grade and the fourth grade, but I was able to look it up. And when I found it, I'm like, OK, OK. <laughs> Again, then I started paying attention and I started seeing it on flags and everything. So I'm like, you know, sometime when you don't know, you just don't know.
1: No, it's kind of like uh, if you if you're thinking of buying a car, uh, all of a sudden you see the, that car on the road all the time. And before that, you never even noticed it. So you're the kind of that way with the term. Let's go, Brandon.
0: Well, you know what? (laughs) If you didn't know, you wouldn't. Yeah, kind of, Bill, but if you didn't know, you didn't know. Hey, listen, we got a guest today from, I want to say, Central Europe who lives in America. Uh, Adrian. Adrian's a good friend of mine. Very, very smart young man. When you meet people like Adrian, Bill, it makes me feel like I'm old and I don't know anything about technology. I met Adrian about four or five years ago. Uh, He was getting laptops and tablets and repairing them and giving them free to a lot of students just wanting people to have an opportunity to fulfill their dreams uh through technology and one of the things when we introduce them is bill you're real big on youth you know adrian loves youth he's sacrificed made all kind of sacrifices but you've done the same thing and you have a symposium coming up right bill
1: yeah we we do you and I are co-chairs of the uh Youth Resilience Summit, and it's going to be at GTCC at the Cameron Center out by the airport on November 4th. And it starts about eight o'clock and be done about 430. Uh, so we'll be sending out notices on that. But if any uh, listeners are interested, uh, let us know and we can get them signed up. We're going to setting up our website so you can sign up right on our website and get your ticket. There's limited tickets, I think, 250 is what the facility will hold. We're expecting to sell that out. And uh, we've been blessed to have raised the money to do it. And uh, we're being asked to do another one down in Wilmington. And uh, we'll probably do one in Raleigh and one in Charlotte and one in Asheville. And then maybe uh, one down in Fayetteville, East Carolina area. So uh, the whole purpose of it is to educate people on acute childhood experiences called ACEs and how to make youth resilient from these ACEs, that uh, these ACEs cause many problems later on in life. And so we're trying to get it upstream.
0: You know, it's interesting, Bill, can you please give the date again and who should come? Because ACEs, the more I learn about ACEs, I just say I'm the poster child, but our guest today can talk so much about youth. And the fact that giving youth opportunities and the youth are denied opportunities, then we ask ourselves the question, why did people turn out the way they turned out? And a lot of it is because of us. So, Bill, can you give the date and the time again and who should come and what will they get from attending the event? And then I'll introduce our guests, please.
1: Yeah, the uh, people that should come is any youth serving organization, anybody that serves the youth or is involved in the youth, uh, that could even be parents. Uh, but certainly church youth groups uh, synagogues uh, sporting youth groups uh, Boy Scouts Girl Scouts 4h any any youth serving organization is welcome to come uh, we're going to simulcast it as well uh, and we're going to videotape it so we're going to put it on our our uh, our website the uh, the, the, what they what they should get out of it, there's this fee of $35, but we have scholarships if people need it, uh, but what they're going to get out of it is an education uh, about ACEs, what they are, how to identify them, and then how to make youth resilient to them so that it stops um, problems later on in their life. They've The study was done by um, Center for Disease Control, they're looking for a common denominator between uh, alcoholism, child abuse, uh, drug abuse, uh, cancers, hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, just, all, and you're saying, is there some common denominator? And they found out it was these acute childhood experiences that if a child, it's 10 questions. And if a child answers that four of them or more, they have a 90% chance of having, uh, some illness later on or some uh, problem. In fact, all these all these uh, shooters that have been going on, these mass shooters, yes, er, every one of them have more than five aces. Every one of them.
0: Wow. You know, when you start talking about acute and all that kind of stuff. You know, our guest today, Adrian, is originally, I think he was born in Slovakia. Uh, Bill, I know we are in all the countries and all the states, excuse me, and how many countries now, Bill? Uh, 30. Okay. 30 Do you countries. know if we're being heard in Slovakia yet? Or maybe after today's guest, we'll be in Slovakia. And for our guest who doesn't know, exactly where Slovakia is. Let me tell, let the black guy from public housing in Charleston, South Carolina, the traveler of the world, tell you where Slovakia is.
1: But just south of Charleston, isn't it?
0: (laughs) 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 Slovakia is south of Charleston, South Carolina. So Slovakia is, you know, it's kind of like landlocked between Poland and Ukraine. So when you start thinking about everything that's going over in going on in Ukraine right now, and we've talked about that a lot on the show, and Poland is really doing a lot to help people who are leaving Ukraine and then going back. So our guest today was raised there, was born there, and he hasn't been there in a while, but we want to just talk to him and ask him, he helps so many youth in America to realize their dream. Bill talked about everything that's going on with ACES, how it affects a youth. And I'm going to ask Adrian to introduce himself and also the fact that, hey, how is it growing up for youth in Slovakia, in Poland, in Ukraine? And at the same time, the main question, audience, you know, the question is coming to Adrian. Adrian, are there any black people who look like me in Slovakia? well <laughs> so thank
2: you for having me it's always a pr- pleasure and it's bill i think this is the first first time we're we're meeting officially so yes. it's good to meet you know odell it's always a p- pleasure <laughs> to answer a question i was actually in slovakia maybe two months ago because i spent a little bit of time there with my father and just the the impact of the war and everything going on is is extremely evident there's military from both the U.S., I think the French, the Germans, like there's three or four different militaries now in our country because we're right on the border with Ukraine. And there's been like thousands, I think at the time when I was there, we had over 20,000 children now that were like, that were refugees just into Slovakia. And what, like, I think one of the, the greatest things that a lot of the, you know, that isn't seen is the, the reality of what poverty is in Europe. Because when you're, when you're looking at these issues happening on the international scale, it, it's similar to what was happening here in the US with, with Mexico and all the refugees coming up through that border. And, and that's the, the divide between the financial sustainability of refugees versus local citizens. So for example, like my grandmother's retirement in in Slovakia, I think it's around like $300 a month, right? And then you have these refugees coming in, you know, like obviously, like they need help and support, but it it creates like a lot of these countries are already struggling financially. And a lot of the refugees are are getting more money than, than the citizens of the country that they're coming into.
0: Wow, didn't know that. So it's creating
2: a lot of like, so A, you have suffering of the refugees themselves, but now B, you have suffering of the local citizenship because there's a financial divide even with the refugees themselves. So there's actually more resources going into the war from the surrounding countries than the citizens themselves are receiving. So it's creating pain upon pain. So the, the pain in Europe right now is layering on top of itself. Plus, now you have the local economies right, that are suffering because European countries with the 2022 state of technology, and I'm kind of like shifting subjects. But what I'm saying with that is the greatest problem in the, in the European nation is the fact that European countries have lost the capacity to retain taxes because wow. of the Internet. Right, because a lot of transactions are happening without being controlled or passing through, you know, controlled channels that are, where the government can get their taxes or make sure that you know they get their income. So a lot of European countries, before the war even occurred, were losing a ton of money just because of the impacts of, like, in addition to the impacts of COVID. Right. So, so, so now, now with all this stuff happening in Europe with Ukraine. And the European countries, like the Eastern European countries, there's just so much pain that I, that I see there. And it just made me really sad, like seeing not only what the impacts of war are, but also seeing the negative impacts of technology on modern, like on societies that aren't fully modernized, right? Because yeah. the ability to have access to internet and digital resources, different things in America is much more... Like there's more infrastructure versus Eastern European countries. Like by the time you pass Ukraine and hit Russia, like Russia's infrastructure for participating in like the modern cloud economy is a fraction of Ukraine and a fraction of Europe.
0: Well, Adrian, hold hold that thought, because a lot of people don't. I didn't understand it. Bill. Bill has a history. Bill has been over in Europe. Uh, He adopted a daughter there. Uh, let's let's go back because something you said, Adrian, is so important, Bill. Infrastructure. When you start talking about one's future and children and infrastructure, even from adoption to anything else, Bill, can you share with Adrian and the audience how, excuse me, how it was when you were there and you went to adopt your adorable daughter? But the infrastructure—you've done business there before.
1: Yeah, well, he's right. Adrian, Adrian's right. The uh, infrastructure in Russia is not. Very robust, to say the least. Uh, the thing they have going for them is uh, the the uh, energy that they sell. Uh, that that provides them a ton of money. And as the price of oil has gone up, they've gotten richer and richer on this thing. Uh, but they the uh, it's interesting. I didn't know about the tax thing. I knew about the energy issue that that uh, Europe has because they're so dependent on Russia, and they're working to get off of that but you can't turn the switch off I mean there's people this winter people are going to need heat <laughs> and so you gotta you gotta play with the bear so to speak the Russian bear you gotta do that um you know when I was there it was communism in Poland it was communist and they really did not like the Russians uh, they felt <clears throat> the Russians interfered in their public lives their private lives uh, and Russians were not liked in Poland and they 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 viewed it as a uh, problem coming from the east uh whenever the Russians came in, there was always issues and uh in in the in the as far as the infrastructure, when I was there in Poland it I mean they had I think people were on a rationing of uh meat. I think they only got so many ounces of meat a month or a week. Is that going on in Slovakia and Poland and Ukraine right
2: um, right now? no, no. But I remember my fa- my parents talking about that from when they were young, like when they were, you know, t- young, like people, th- the resources being so, so unavailable that pe- like you had to pre-order bread just so the baker could buy the flour and then you had to wait in line to even have bread. So there's like, like I know people, I know people that, you know, can barely afford bread or, any- or anything because because if you don't have a job and you're getting let's say 2 to 300 euros a month like in today's world in in a con- in a lot of these european countries they're they're already americanized right and what i mean by that is that a lot of the co- like the a lot of the costs for goods on the shelf in a grocery store are comparable in price to that in the united states and so so how could you expect an american family to survive for Two to four hundred dollars, right? even if rent is cheaper, you still still try to try to feed yourself off of that, you know, in a month, and then have children and other things to take into account. So a lot of the reality, what you're referencing from back in communism and like the finite resources that existed, is a lot of what's happening has been slowly happening as these Eastern European countries a became a part of the EU, and then now as the like because the EU is really in essence a connect a connection with America, right? So countries like Germany, England and like those further to the west were already used to the pricing structure that they had, so they already had a sustainability model. But these other Eastern European countries, like they haven't had, you know, we speak of inflation as a negative thing, but these Eastern European countries haven't had the inflation for them to level the playing field. In essence, of income, in comparison to affordability of like bread and other other foods.
1: Is Slovakia a member of NATO?
2: Um, I guess so. Like yeah. I like th- these are not subjects that I've like researched, but we have military in in Slovakia, so I assume that we are a part of NATO. Yeah, I think I think, I think right. Ukraine is the only one that's not because we're like we're right beside Ukraine.
1: Yeah, I think, I think all of those are. There's a couple small ones, yeah. like Belarus and stuff might not be. But, uh, you know, when you were there, what was the feeling about the war in Ukraine and how it was going to end? And uh, was Ukraine going to be able to take back uh, the land that uh, Russia took? Was, well, it, was there some talk about that or no?
2: A lot of European countries are very nationalistic. You know, like they like, you know, because it's from the times of kings and queens. So each kingdom in Europe had its own perspective of their own country, which is why culture, like you can travel around European countries and experience different culture Because by having that nationalistic pride, they preserve it. And what I'm saying with that is that most of the European countries, their perspective of issues that occur first, their first perspective of it is, is like, why is this problem happening and how is it affecting us? Because we're already suffering. Like the amount of suffering with the poor in European or like Eastern European countries is on a level that is much higher than that of the Western world. Right. So, so when I went there, like one of the most surprising things I saw was driving down the road and there being like a politician on a big billboard saying, get rid of the American bases in Slovakia because they don't, because America is bringing, like, like their military is protecting Europe, but at the same time, like, it's affecting the dynamics of the economy in a lot of these countries, right? Kind of like what's happening now. So I don't know. I don't know their their politics there, but it was just basically anything that isn't from the country that you're from in a, in a lot of Eastern countries is is kind of judged, okay. right? Like similarly, like there's refugees, but then you also have poor people in a country that that have less than refugee, like there's so, there's just so much judgment because people are suffering. Mm. Right. There isn't a differentiation between like, like people will always help each other on the East, like in the, in these Eastern European countries. So the, the humanity and empathy is pretty high, but everyone is just suffering so much already from the poor people, like from people, cause they're like, poverty is just much, much greater and very different than in the Western world. And the way the Western world sees it, they don't know what the poverty actually is. You know what I mean? Like from internet to having access to tech to a lot of my friends that have business. That, oh, now we have an e-shop. I'm like, okay, like you have a website now, but, but you know, the entire reality of the fact that you have to spend thousands of dollars on ads to drive traffic to your business, and being able to afford it and be good at it to have a return, like that's a reality that hasn't even entered that economy for the common business. You know, does that make sense? Kind of Yeah,
1: sure. It does. Sure. It does.
2: Like, I know it's a large subject, but there's just like, like when you go to Eastern Europe, you, you entered the 1990s on a large, on a large level infrastructurally. Right. And a lot, a lot of this tension that's happening right now, setting aside the reasons that the war began is the fact that there's a massive technological infrastructure divide between like America, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and then the East. Right. And and you have a massive political shift as well. Like the more East you go.
1: When you talk East, you're talking Russia, not, not like Russia and
2: the other, like
1: not the far East, but you know,
2: like past Russia.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. And then you get to like, like the, you know what I mean? like Like the way the political society is just different. Because you go from, well, you know what I'm talking, you know what I mean? You go from democracy to, to like authoritarian kind of like countries or more corruption. Like you go to more and more and more corruption due to finite resources. And like Ukraine's like right in the middle of that divide. Because wow. right? like between, like like between Czech Republic or Poland, now you imagine how Ukraine was and then Russia, like just between like Poland and Russia, you have such a massive socio-political management difference how money flows, corruption, mafia. You know what I mean? Like a a long time ago, there was this, and it was kind of funny because in Slovakia, there's so many castles. Apparently, I read that we have the highest ratio of castles to landmass. And then there was this joke because every castle has a king, right? And there was this joke that like, we also had the largest ratio of landmass to to, um, mafia bosses, Right. Just like from back in the day, you'd have a bunch of kings. So now you convert the kings. Who are they? You know, they'd be like the like the mafia, you know. But and so now you no longer have a normal political, a political foundation. Right. And the more right you go. So now you hit Ukraine. That's even more corrupt. Russia, even more so. Right. And now you start getting into the side of the world that's ran by a more of an authoritarian type of perspective,
0: which is like the ultimate boss bosses. So Adrian, when you say corrupt, a lot of people don't understand. And, and you're not calling everyone corrupt. That's not what you're saying. No. You're saying the way people do business is different. So Bill, you've done business in those countries before and you're not corrupt. But is is it the way one does business is so much different than the way we do business here in America? Because some people say the way America does business is somewhat corrupt.
1: Well, you know, the the lens that people have, I think what Adrian's talking about, the lens they're looking through is different than the lens that we are brought up here with American business and how we do business. You know, I worked in an international division and uh, we had 40, 40 plants in 40 different countries. And, uh, you know, there were cultural changes on how you do business in each country, Okay. Um, the Italians were different than the French, the Mexicans were different than the Swedish. You know, they, they all had their standards and how they did things. I was listening to an NPR, uh, talk and it was about a woman that came from United States and married a Frenchman who was working in France. And, uh, it's a law that you have to, you can't eat your desk in France. It's against the law. They, they, the law says you have to take two hours for lunch and get out of the building. And, uh, and she did, she, she wasn't brought up that way. She worked, she would eat at her desk. She she'd get work done. and It wasn't a big deal. And they went back on the history of it. And it was a cultural thing. It was a cultural thing. One of the reasons was, is that the air in the factories and where they worked was so polluted that getting people out, they found that they kept their workforce healthier. So they forced them two hours a day to leave the building and go have a lunch. Wow. And uh, so it's a different culture, different things. So I think you know, I get what Adrian's saying. You mix corruption in there. And all of a sudden now you don't know who you're really dealing with.
2: And all, and all corruption realistically is if we boil it down is like you, let's say, Bill, you control X, Y, Z resource. Right. And you don't like me. And you're like, you don't get, a, you don't get to be in the deal. Right. But the resource you control serves everyone. You know what I mean? And it's not even a part of the deal. It's about the fact that it's, there's, there's, a, there's just closed groups of people controlling the finite resources because over the years, the battle, the, like, the amount of energy and fight people had to put in for change in those countries, they still protect them, those resources. If that, Do you know what I mean? Like some, and I always relate it back to the, to kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Right, it was so hard to accrue more land or more resources or whatever, and then they had to protect it yep. right, so if you take that kind of mentality like from the Western perspective, you can look at it as in quote corruption because there's just so many dynamics that when when the time period came when all these you know different controlled areas and groups or whatever merged into these larger countries and now Europe, people, people lost control and they tried to maintain it, right? And maintaining secret control of resources or having deals or like trying to get money now from this higher government that's above you, right? There's so many versions of, in quote, corruption that occur and it's just a constant battle versus in the US you have, it's so massive,
0: right? That the corruption just looks so different. Bill, can I jump in for a minute? Sure. So Adrian, when you start talking about culture, and we think about the children. So what's the children's future? Is it a caste society? Is poverty similar to a caste society, whether we're in Slovakia, whether we're in Ukraine, whether we're in Poland, whether we're in uh, High Point, North Carolina? And how does children, because Adrian, you spent much of your young adult life taking care of children, why technology explain to our audience why technology is the key
2: basically the way i look at it is, is i've grown up in three different timelines right one timeline is like the 1990s where human connection and people working together is how you grow and achieve right so me and you know each other we do something right so that was let's say my childhood then we moved to canada all of a sudden me and you wanting to do something even this podcast for example right me and you can't just decide you need a tech guy to run it distribute it market it so our our freedom to act and do and achieve and dream is now barred by a technological barrier right now now we have the third like like the third reality timeline right which is so like the first timeline i described is like the 1990s right a lot of this Eastern European technological infrastructure that we're talking about is still in that realm. Like I know people that have 30, 40 stores that don't run on a single computer, right? That still exists, right? Now we have the in-between, which is this transitionary, right, system, which is like, you want to do anything now and make money. Like you need to be a technologist to achieve literally anything. So a lot of your like oomph and Power that you have to manifest and create is barred by tech, tech. Like you have to interweave with it. And now you have the third realm, which is this whole new realm that's occurred and like truly came to light with COVID, which is the fact that now here's this cloud, here's this brand new economy where all this money's going into, into like the internet and you now are third in line right now you not only have to understand and see this this cloud economy that's like like hovering over the western world be able to be able to maneuver and utilize 5 10 15 different mechanisms and cloud based systems and then create with it wow right so so the origin of my foundation/nonprofit was technology for the future because it was my realization that when i went from the 1990s into the transitionary period my family lost the power to create their future because it wasn't family creating the future it was now tech creating the future and now we're in a time period where technology is the future and now taking that like one step backwards to our children our children no no longer have a future of their own it's whatever the tech decides so which is why our children and so many of them are so sad and depressed because like good luck navigating a sense of purpose direction or like community with what technology now is because technology is no longer what technology was when we when we manifested technology as a human species into society we manifested it as a tool to achieve some sort of a goal like i want to make this cup I created, I used electricity, heat, raw materials to create this cup, right? That was utility. Right now, the majority of the time that you're utilizing technology and looking at a screen, you're not manifesting actionable sense of purpose, connection, like actual human to human connection, Mm -hmm. right? Because feeling energy being in the room with a person is incredibly different, right? And... And it's creating a divide. So now without realizing it, we're, we are we as a human species, right, not only have we, and I'm going to get a little philosophical, right, not only do we now have to navigate the fact that we have to talk to each other to have understanding, but now on top of that, we also have to now navigate an understanding of, te- of tech. And then when you look at that, like, communication is a must, connection is a must with individuals, and Now you, now you involve like technology into the mix. Now, when you ask an individual, are you a soul or do you have a soul? Where would they relate to themselves and others? Because there's like five layers between like having a, like understanding what even your own presence is.
0: Adrian, that makes me think of artificial intelligence. So here, here it is. Back to your point on the three things. Bill and Odell, two old geezers, two old guys sitting there going to do a podcast. You're saying, okay, only in America can y'all two old behinds get together and decide with your own idea, you are going to do a podcast. Now you are listening to in every state in the country and over 30 other countries around the world. And we're sitting here, no one's telling us what we can say and what we can't say. However, technology-wise, someone is Paying attention. Big brother is watching. So when you start talking about artificial intelligence, take me there when it relates to what we think we're doing versus what actually happening with technology. Artificial intelligence,
2: in its most simple perspective, is me creating rules like and conditions. If, if something happens, then this has to happen. But having so many of them, that I need another mechanism to manage those rules and another one to manage those rules, mm. right? So I'm creating, now I'm creating logic. That logic is what artificial intelligence is, right? Like you could even you could create artificial intelligence by yourself, just having a rule that runs rules, that runs rules, that runs rules, because now you have something, you're getting closer and closer and closer to what we, we see as human logic, which is why we call it artificial intelligence, because it, it's a system that can have multiple references at once, right? So now it's able to think. But what we don't realize is that the first layer, okay, there's control. The second layer, we don't know what the first layer is doing. Third layer, we don't know at all what the first layer, like it's not, artificial intelligence creates a massive gap between the human's ability to be a part of the creation process of the reality that we live in and to adjust an automated mechanism is not something that any user of that mechanism can easily do because you have a ton of tech, tech people that made it. So if you even if you made this AI system for you to want to change it like you wouldn't even know how. Right? How, like my question is always how many of these people that make AI the creators themselves but alone could go in and change it? probably not many because it's so massive right so what what is the most important part of ai is the fact that humanity and even elon musk talked about this concept this is the fact that like we're heading into a space where we're going to have super intelligence which is like a system that manages all the ai which is another layer right which is that like which is that super intelligence and we're going to trust it right or We have to have a different path which is the path that I wish for for the world because I see what the current technology technological state is doing to the human soul right like like the human soul and the it's not even about an individual having the ability to control their sense of purpose destiny and direction it's about the fact that that technology and AI will never will never protect the human soul and it's vital that we as a society entering into this new age, basically, right, create, have a mechanism that allows the each and every individual in society to participate in the system without having to master the system. Because you have to be a master of your own reality and your own sense of purpose without having to go and learn tech, right? It has to be, like, it has to, otherwise our, like, emotional being we will keep seeing deteriorate especially for our children because me and you have a sense of purpose of like picking up a shovel and creating purpose with a shovel that's still you controlling everything but now imagine that that shovel is no longer a shovel it's a computer and it lasts you a few years you have to get another one and you have to learn how to use it and you have to make sure you don't get distracted and waste dozens of hours of your time doing nothing basically and create purpose while learning. Like, like, where does the soul derive a sense of presence and purpose and direction in life? Right. That's what we're. That's the divide we're talking about. When we're talking about AI, we're talking about like, where is the human, human capacity? Like, where is the human's control? And not even the human. Where is
0: the soul's ability to create purpose? Explore. We've explored the planet. Okay. You know, there's nothing more. Hold that thought. Hold that thought for me because I'm still caught up on. You you've seen this thing Bill duckduckgo is this commercial and I'm I'm a big commercial person is this commercial where people sitting there on their devices and it's the a Google sitting there and every step you take every you know is this commercial and it's almost like we're watching you we're watching everything that you do and I think this app called duckduckgo if you download it it's supposed to erase your tracks on everything you have went to. If I went to a, a pie shop store, as, as you all know, I'm losing weight now. So if I went to a pie shop, I want to get that erased or if I went someplace else. So Bill, what are your thoughts on all this? Because we're talking, Adrian Adrian's a genius. We get that. Me, I, thir- I failed the third grade and the fourth grade. So I'm not there. But a lot of times when me and Adrian have our conversations, he always say, Odell, a lot of poor people, And in America, not always, but some poor people look like me and poor people are going to be the one affected more by technology or the lack thereof. Bill, what's your thought on all this?
1: Well, you know, I'm just starting to get into the AI thing. I've been listening to some podcasts and reading up people. Some of our listeners actually sent me some some things about uh, what Elon Musk is afraid about, about AI. You know, I think people that aren't really in Gone down the whole path of AI, they they think AI is um, self-driving cars. They think uh, AI are robots in a in a factory making things. And I listened to uh, Elon Musk on a show, and he he was talking about AI taking over the factories, where they're gonna you know there'll be very few workers. uh, These robots and uh, will will make things that uh, will be so cheap. You know the whole reason we went to China. Uh, with manufacturing for clothes and furniture was because labor was cheap and you didn't have all the epa regulations so you could you could do environmentally challenging things there that you couldn't do here that added cost but if you get a, if you put a robot in they show up every day uh or ai they show up every day not worried about what environment they're working in it could be a nasty environment those keep working um uh, but he said, what's going to do is drive down the cost of our goods. He said, our goods are going to become so inexpensive. So here you've got, and we started the whole podcast with it, the United States and probably some other advance like Israel and other advanced the Far East, really working on this. And then you've got countries like Ukraine and Russia that are fighting. And you've got other countries that are in that circle that are old Iron Curtain countries. And you've got Africa, Black Africa, that isn't coming along, um, and parts of India as well. So, how much of a divide are we going to have when this technology happens?
2: There's just such a massive divide already in people even having these conversations, right? Because, like you say, drive down cost, right? But when you look at a society as a whole, Cost, like cost, is an abstract thing that's manna, like that's created around a sustainability model of somebody, somebody being able to have a roof over their head, eat, sustain themselves, get educated, and pursue some sort of like purpose or direction in life. Right? AI technology, blah blah, like all these things can drive down the actual cost of creating the good. But now let's say, let's say we have a, a, a family of 10,000 people, all of a sudden we have AI. So 5,000 of our children no longer have literal jobs, right? Because technology was able to do that. These manufacturing systems, right? were able to get their costs lower, but all of a sudden, brand new problem. Hey, who's paying for their food, right? Like who's paying for the 5,000 people that no longer have jobs? So all of a sudden we're going to have to go back and be like, hey, manufacturers, sorry, but like you're going to have to have like a 300% tax on each one of these things, so we can thereof give these people money so they can buy the food and pay for their rent, because like because Elon talked about it himself, is the fact that with superintelligence, robots and things will replace much of the production force, and then we can't be oblivious to the reality that the people who no longer are a part of the physical system, which is that shovel concept I'm talking about. The modern, the new age is eradicating the uh, eradicating the need for physical labor. And there's only so many websites and so many systems that, the, that people can make. Like how much more, how much more random stuff do we want to make? You know what I mean? Like we're building so much stuff in the cloud that we literally came up with the metaverse just so people have something to do. Right. But that and that that has to loop us back into another problem that we're not taking into account, which was when we moved from Slovakia to Canada and were introduced to video games. My parents, my, especially my mom's biggest concern was the fact that she saw me and my little sister playing fighting games online and all of a sudden we would fight with each other. So now you put on some goggles and go into a war game. Like, what do you expect? Like, people are literally in a virtual reality shooting up people. Like, of course, you're going to have a ton of violence. Like, what do you expect, right? And the metaverse and all these things are bringing that reality. Like, like if you spend, let's say, 30 hours playing virtual games at home, shooting people, and you take those goggles off, like, are you not going to pick up a gun and go shoot people at some point? You know what I mean? Not only do you not have friends in your local community now, because you spend literally full time in the virtual realm but you're doing things that
0: are unrealistic to the reality we live in. So Adrian, hold, hold that thought for a minute. Okay, I'm old. The virtual realm is a the mega metaverse, whatever it's called. I, I'm not in the chat rooms and mega stuff. So you're saying it's a whole nother quote unquote virtual world well, yep. Odell can be anything he wants to be in this yep. virtual world. Yeah. And so I could be as good looking as Bill in this virtual world. And I go in this world and I meet friends from all over the world. Yeah. And a lot of these games are, well, a lot of the activities stimulate shooting and doing all this. So yeah. you say, when I take the goggles off, what makes you think, not all but some? Yeah, why won't I do this for real? Yeah. Like, like, do you remember, have you heard
2: of like, um, have you heard of Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Okay. Like you can like imagine that same type of, like when I was younger, when that
0: came out, there was a lot Uh, of. Wait, 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 when you were younger, how old are you now, Adrian? I'm 31. Okay. So when you were younger, Bill, Bill, (laughs) you know, 31, there you go, Bill, when he was younger. Go ahead, Adrian. I'm sorry. Yeah. But but, there was a lot of
2: stigma around that game because it was very violent, and you're doing bad things, you know, and there's a ton ton and ton of games like that you know so so we're, the normal the common individual, even the people in the tech that are driven by money, they want to make money they' they're not realizing what they're doing to our society, right and the reality is is we've become so so technological that we we're literally in a space where. Where our technology is forcing us to create a secondary economic system where people can participate and do things, right? In the cloud, literally in a virtual space. And that space is unrealistic to the human condition that we need to live happy and sustainable lives. Like we're just not gonna, like, it's not it's not sustainable. You know what I mean? Like what like can you imagine? Like, would you put all of your children to work in virtual reality because that's where we're going like you're talking about using ai for manufacturing and all these other things right like the people who aren't building the metaverse or aren't trading nfts you know and that's a whole different realm right because for nfts to be successful many 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 people lose right like we're creating we're now living like people used to come to america to achieve a dream right now Most of the Western world is living in one dream, which is the internet. And we're creating dreams inside that dream. Like we're no longer dreaming, right? And if you're dreaming inside a dream, we've been incepted, right? And people need to wake up to that reality. Like people have literally fallen asleep so hard that they're creating dreams inside dreams. And meanwhile, we're looking around and like their suicide is going through the roof. Sense of purpose is going through the floor right? People are sad. They like social interaction, like social anxiety and depression is, you know what I mean? Like society is literally crumbling because we're in a dream. We're in like three layers deep inside a dream.
0: But, 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 but that's what Bill talked about with scars. I mean, that's exactly what Bill talked about with these children. So Bill jump in here because all of a sudden Adrian's like, wait a minute, we give our kids a device we give, I give my grandson a device. You give your, I mean, you give me, it's like, okay, we're busy. So we don't have time to babysit, but here's this tablet. Let this tablet babysit. I have no idea what these kids are looking at. Adrian is saying it's possible. They're looking at some things that might not be as helpful for them. So Bill, if virtual reality is part of what you talk about, Scar, help us, Bill, help, help, help the good looking, slim and trim black guy out, please.
1: Well, I think that, um, what, you, what I'm getting out of this is the internet is good and, and some of this new uh, technology is good, but in moderation, I think you need it's to, Not un- in
2: moderation. It's wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. No,
1: no, no, it's okay.
2: I'm but... just passionate. So I interrupt. I apologize. No, no,
1: it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go on. No. <laughs> well, you know, the, and I don't know if you can even do it in moderation. That's the problem. You know, I, I see people, uh, some people that I know, my uh, some relatives don't let their kids do any of that. And then other ones have a time limit. You know, they could do it for an hour a day. Uh, and uh, and then there's other ones that as soon as they get in the car, they hand them the uh, the tablet. and they And while they drive for the next five or six hours to keep the kid quiet, they do that. You know, when we were growing up, uh, we had games we would play games uh looking at license plate or uh looking at trucks we call it if you saw a yellow penske you got 10 points you saw a white one you got five and if you passed the cemetery on your side of the car you look you went back to zero you know and we, we just had we had games that kept us busy um and I, in fact the other day i was i was at a store and i was thinking of buying these they're uh they're uh when you they're automobile bingo games and what you do, it's a card probably has about 30, maybe 20 little openings. And it, it tells you to look for these things while you're driving and you do it, you just pull it down and that you get a letter. And if you get them across that says bingo, I guess you, you win. And they are a couple bucks each. And uh, I was thinking, man, this is pretty cool. The, uh, but where we were at, I couldn't bring them back. So I think I'll just buy them on Amazon. (laughs) That's something that's changed our life. But, yes. you know, it, it, it's, you know, I, what you're describing, Adrian, is is scary, is uh, intimidating. You know, technology has done a lot of good things for us. Um, and uh, it's allowed us to do this kind of a Zoom thing and a podcast. But there are some downsides. There's no doubt about it. And when I was growing up, they my parents used to say, you can't watch TV. And we had three channels, black and white. And uh, you had to get up. There's no remote. You had to get up and turn the knob. Uh, and, you know, th- but we were told that's going to rot our brain. And uh, but I agree with you. I think if you put if you put somebody in a set of goggles and it, they're shooting somebody all day long and you take them off. Absolutely right. I think that person's going to particularly a younger person that can be easily influenced.
2: Yeah.
1: So I interrupt. You. You're getting passionate about saying something. Go ahead.
2: I mean, it's. And I, I used to, like, be, before COVID, Odell, remember when I used to get so, like, almost angry around what was happening with tech and where it was going? Yes. And it even led me to developing, so we've been doing a lot of R&D, developing a system to, to help, like, bring back basically the soul, right? Because, because of everything going on. The, re- the reality is is that, you know, with, with a solid foundation of, of faith, humans have created many mechanisms that are necessary and in essence even like if we're talking about the soul the soul has mass consciousness i feel what you feel we're in a natural state of active empathy i have faith that what i feel is what someone else might feel right and a lot of in a lot of perspectives the internet has is a of manif- is like a personification of the soul wanting to exist. But we've just hit a hit a place in in time where we've built out the systems, but we haven't built them and, and used them as souls. But from from me being a technologist for so long, the architecture for us to live fulfilled lives actually is already there. So what you're saying is scary. It's scary, it's scary having this system and this infrastructure that we've built being ran by people and in politics and society that don't understand it, that's scary. But that same infrastructure and mechanism can literally be inverted just to to give you so much confidence, choice and direction in life that people within like an extremely short amount of time, for example, like your child would never be Confused about what they can achieve, how to achieve it, and opportunities literally being like handed into their lap. Right. But the trick to creating a positive transformation of what already is is that the human has to be the controller of the AI. And that doesn't mean like we control the AI, it means that the AI is us. Mm. Like you, you and your brain and your soul is the most powerful AI that exists right now, the internet and all this stuff, like listens to us, right? Watches us, judges us. You mentioned like DuckDuckGo, right? Like you can, of course you can erase information off of your computer, but that doesn't negate the fact that you left a trail all over the internet, you know, which is across all these other computers and servers that show you what you, what you see, but, but you as an individual go, going around this virtual realm you have to have like a protective shield right i call i call it like a whatever i just call it like a, a technological shield that an individual can have to walk through this dark cloud that's all around us that we can't
0: see so that way you're in control of your own life okay and let me switch the channel a little bit you have a nonprofit called technology for the future Technology for the Future audience is a 501c3 and it deals with open doors to new worlds for opportunities for students and their families by technology. But also, Adrian, you have this thing called Open Doors Challenge and Dreamforce. Can you, can you explain to the audience what it is? Because if someone looked you up on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. it says, Adrian is a dreamer, building a guide that equips humanity with support to see life through purpose. Now you could be a millionaire out there making all the money in the world, but you're using your strength, your technology, your stuff on helping those who are less fortunate than you. And the question is why? Why do you even care? Because I know, like the, the main reason I care is personal.
2: And it's because I've had technology strip my family's freedom to control their future. And I refuse to live in a world where that can happen. And it's as simple as like, if you don't have a computer, good luck, right? That used to be that. It used to be that simple statement. Now it's like, if you don't have a computer and a ton of knowledge to utilize it and have a little bit of money to pay for all these systems that you need to achieve something, right? You can't. So the power of can't has consumed a lot of potential. And I, and, and, You know, knowing what life was like before tech, coming from that country and having gone back and forth to Slovakia and Eastern Europe, where technology hadn't yet consumed society, and it's still on a very large scale hasn't, a child should never feel like there's 15 steps they can't see to dream, just to have the freedom to dream, like they can't. So phase one of technology for the future was like, technology has to serve the future of our children, A- Availability and in quote, the digital divide, yes, it's one founding element of the perspective that we have, but it's also, even though the normal, you know, the common masses think that that's huge, but that's like a tiny fraction or a tiny drop in the bucket of the actual problem. And then the second layer is, is the fact that the world desperately is in a state, desperately needs these technological systems to actually serve the human like this to serve mankind and our children and we have to take a step back and realize that that as we monetize and digitize wisdom we're taking it away and making it inaccessible like yes you can learn a ton of things on how to do something online on youtube and on the internet but you also need to take into account that most of that doing involves paying for something after because you need 15 different tools to achieve something you need to learn them master them and whatever right so if you don't have like let's say adrian as your friend to teach you how to use it and hold your hand so you don't lose the confidence or the courage to master that system and start a podcast you might not start one ever right many people do but you have to remember that maybe out of if we have a hundred children how many of them will they will take it on by themselves
0: that's heavy why it looks like You've helped thousands and thousands of thousands of children. The majority of them look like me, black children. Why black children? Why do you have something it's, against white children? A, What's going on? You don't like white people?
2: <laughs> it's not about black or white. Because coming from Slovakia, where it was pretty much like all white people. no black I, people
0: I, in Slovakia, I, mean, I
2: think there might have been like a handful, but not a really. A handful of black people?
0: Okay. So, you know where they came water. from? Those handful of Parma, exactly. The, let me tell you,
1: all those, all those handful of black people that went to Slovakia came from Parma.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, there's a, a Slovenian uh, village in Parma, big one. In fact, we were when we were there for Fourth of July, the uh, they re the uh, church. And then mm. you turned a corner and that sun hit that. It was like, wow, hard to miss, but they're, uh, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff for uh, Ukraine and Slovak as well, Slovenia. Sorry to get off the subject, but you made me think about that. But we're getting near the end here. We're getting toward yeah. the end, and we always ask our guests a question, and that is, how do you find common ground? you think we will ever find common ground with AI?
0: No. Or with, with Black people, Black children. You keep giving Black children technology. So, and you said Odell is not about black and white. And to Bill's question, the common ground, Adrian, if you give someone a fish, they eat for a day. If you teach them how to fish, they eat for a lifetime. And Bill, that's what Bill does for a living. He trains people. So, help us, Adrian, find common ground on what can we do to help our youth in the midst of everything that's going on with technology, sir. Common ground exists in the knowing of
2: cuz common 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 ground to me is ultimately having the awareness of pathways to alleviate yourself actively of different sufferings that enter into your life right having the pathways to alleviate yourself of suffering that may enter your life and having the support to support and tools to do so so for common ground for humanity to exist means that that which ties back to the system i've been building for so many years is having the mechanism to have the wisdom and the support to enact that wisdom to act on that wisdom to free yourself of the suffering that may have entered your life which in by definition is what family is and does because if you bring a statement any statement of suffering to another individual you are seeking a pathway or guidance or wisdom for them for you to free yourself of that suffering so you're seeking choice when choices are presented you have to have the tools and and support confidence right to enact that choice and then have enough like energy and support as well to be able to carry it all the way out until that suffering has been eradicated from your presence and that's what and all of those things exist already in the world It's just a matter of, the, of, of, of bringing technology together to serve the individual, which is that mechanism I've been talking about where, where we're not living in the world of technology. We are living in our world using technology to make our lives free of, of suffering and pain so we can have the freedom to be closer as a family and ultimately the divide between the old age which is before technology and the new age is the fact that technology exists to make the world more united but we're no longer in an age where where a sword will help us survive we're in a time period where a guide is what humanity needs to survive because because now our survival is about about being able to master the very system that we've created instead of mastering the land that we needed to conquer before you know back in the day so before we were given a sword now we need a guide and that's and but we already but i have like full faith that we already have everything we need on earth we've built it all out we just need something that serves the like we just need a guide to serve the individual's freedom to navigate the massive amount of wisdom and choice that exists there's already freedom from suffering everywhere like suffering is no longer an issue on earth or suffering is no longer an issue on earth because the solutions exist right meaning if people are suffering they're only suffering because they don't have a guide they're not suffering because they're like trapped in it maybe especially in the western world right in other in other nations the non like other nations that might not be true but in america the land of of dreams it is true there just needs to be a guide to be able to navigate this massive system that we've ma- we've made and we see that day in and day out both in politics and everywhere that like humanity just needs a guide
1: no yeah, i think uh, adrian thank you for being on our podcast and sharing your thoughts uh, i i got one last question for adrian what do you do for a living <laughs> what do you mean well you gotta have a
2: job no no so so i've run since since i was 13 i've been running my own tech company Mm -hmm. creating pathways to alleviate suffering from first my family where technology created barriers took away our choice you know we left slovakia to have more freedom of choice to canada than america is america is the ultimate freedom you have more choices here than anywhere on earth and and You know, it's a freedom I'm willing to sacrifice everything for. So I've been building a tech company. Then when we moved and I noticed a lot of my clients in my computer stores that I had back in high school were unable to afford computers. I started selling two, $300 laptops for $100 because I didn't care. I was like, like, because I knew the pain of not having access. And then I started technology for the future to give those computers away because there were still so many people that couldn't afford them. And now in about in 2016, seeing all that, like me being the architect, because I like to call myself an architect. So I see technology and how it works and operates together. So I'm the person that can you know, make it all work well to like come together in, in a certain way. So in 2016, I started a software company that's been building a guide, right? To be able to, that an individual can use to achieve to have the choices, resources, direction that they need to alleviate themselves of suffering or, or obstacles that they face when, when wanting to achieve something.
1: Do you have a website our listeners could go to?
2: Um, it's technologyforthefuture.org.
1: technologyforthefuture.org. Yep. Adrian, thank you. Uh, Odell, do you have anything to
0: add? We're going to end this. Yes. Adrian, if, if one of the, cause you've thrown out some heavy duty stuff and some of it went over my head. I caught a lot of it. Some of it hit me in the forehead. That's why I have this, this scar right there. Adrian, <laughs> if people want to contact you personally and follow up, uh, how do they contact you? They, they can
2: through technology for the future that goes to, to um like there, there's a way to contact us through the website on technology for the future.org. it will go directly to our our email and I'll, and I'll get notified Good, Great. Perfect.
1: Well, thank you, Adrian.
2: Thank you. Hello. It was a, it was a pleasure um, doing this with you guys and I appreciate you inviting me.
1: We look forward to meeting you someday. Yes, <laughs>
2: soon.
0: <laughs> Find Bill and Odell online at the Show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer. Jeremy Powell, Creative Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. All rights reserved.